Hello and welcome back to the Calvary Tabernacle Young Adults Podcast. As always, we are glad that you're still listening and we hope you continue to do so. The speaker in this episode's lesson is Young Adults Leader, Brother Kevin Brzezinski. Please enjoy. And I'd like you if you would turn to Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to speak from the parable that is sometimes called the unmerciful debtor. And before I get into that, I, let me just say this. I don't feel very confident tonight in my preparation or in my abilities, but I feel very confident in Jesus Christ. I feel very confident in who he is and what he's able to do through lowly people like we all are. We're, at rea- we're doing Reality Week this week. No, I'm sorry, not Reality Week. IBC Reality. It's changed at IBC. And something that Brother Sleva has said is that it's amazing. I trust that we will see miracles this week. And you may think, well, I'm not in the miracle category. I'm not that spiritual. Well, just by going out there and making sure that you're glorifying God, good things can happen. I don't believe we possess gifts. I believe he possesses gifts. Amen. So I want to start at Matthew 18, verse 21. But first, let me just share with you, I was sitting in the elder brother Rodenbush's office the other day, and he was, yeah, I know it's, that's, that's a good place. Yes. Most of the time, Sister Kilman, he's encouraging. Sometimes he's rebuking. That's terrible. Uh, I don't like that very much, but most of the time he's encouraging. Yeah. Oh, man. Hallelujah. So luckily, this was an encouraging session. So he's kind of encouraging me, and my wife wasn't there, but he was kind of encouraging me and our, our ministry and what's going on. And um, I was, I was, it was very gracious of him to say nice things, but I said, you know what, Brother Rodenbush, I really just want to keep my spirit right. I just, I just want to keep my spirit right and be saved in the process. Because I promise you, it, you, may, you may look at mm, the successful people in ministry, maybe a Pastor Mooney or our own Brother Kilman or somebody who's doing things in ministry, and you think, man, if I could just get to that level, then things would be okay. But let me tell you, things get harder. Maybe ministry doors open, but it's harder to keep your spirit right because you're facing more scrutiny, more battles, more everything. And I just, I just, it, it was a vulnerable moment. I just said, I, you know, that's fine, but I want to just be saved. I want to keep my spirit right. And Brother Rodenbush kind of smiled and he said, when you figure that out, let me know. Which blessed my life. Because are they not some of the saintliest people you've ever met in your life? They've opened up how many countries? 47? <laughs> That's exactly how many countries they've opened. 47. They're, they're, they have a school named after them in Riga, Latvia. I mean, if you are looking at ministry success and credentials, they are it. But they said that as Sister Rodenbush said, as soon as this morning, we had to pray through an issue just to keep our spirit right. So just keeping your spirit right is a big deal. It's not a small deal. It's an essential deal. 
And whether you're here or here or here, you've got to keep your spirit right. So I'm going to begin reading. Let's read this scripture. Uh, I may just, if you're okay with it, I'm going to read through all of this scripture, and then we'll, we'll break it down a little bit. Beginning in verse 21, it says, Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times, saith Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But forasmuch as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and his children, and all that he had, and payment be made. So skipping down, he pleads for mercy, and he gets let off the hook. But we skip down, and we see right away that that same individual, when he went out, he found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And if we skip down further, when the Lord finds out about it, the Lord who forgave the debt, he says unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And this and his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother. Now this, this, this is tricky. This is trickier than it appears on the surface, because if you've been living for any length of time, you have been offended. And all you need to be offended is be alive for about two days. And either you're going to be offended legitimately or you're going to be offended because your expectations and pride is out of whack. But this begins, this begins here. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Now, that number seven, um, the Pharisees taught that if somebody offended you three times or somebody sinned against you three times, that was all you were required to forgive them, three times. So he, what Peter is saying is, Jesus, how about seven times? Three doubled plus one. Isn't that magnanimous of me? And Jesus says, no, 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 I'm not seven times but seven times 70, 490 times. And the point is this, there's no limit to the amount that you need to forgive your brother or your sister. It is that simple. And Jesus gets then into this parable addressing the situation. And if you look at this king who's taking account of his servants, servants in his household, He's taking account, and he finds one servant who owes him 10,000 talents. Uh, the point of 10,000 talents 
one talent is approximately 75 pounds of metal, like silver. I'm not going to do the math, but silver right now is roughly $17 an ounce. So 75 pounds of silver. What Jesus is saying is this is a debt that is impossible to pay. And it's a picture of you and me. Because we are in a position where it is impossible to make it to heaven. That's just where we're at. It is impossible. We cannot do it without help. It is impossible. Now, I, pr- I was talking to a gentleman today, and I admitted to him, and my pastor admit- told me this. I was sitting in his office one time, and he, he said, you know, you're, you're a little self-righteous. You're coming off a little self-righteous. <laughs> Ouch. Painful. But how do we get there? We are Pentecostals, and we get accused of legalism, but this is a debt we cannot pay. If we are going to make it, it will require the compassion of the king to get there. And that should give us all a little bit of humility. A little bit of humility. As we walk into the church or as we walk out there in the world, we should walk with a little bit of humility because it's only by compassion that our debt is forgiven. That's it. You're not earning your way in. I'm thankful we dress holy, but you're not earning your way in with holiness. And if we look at what this servant says, he falls down and he worships. And he says, Lord, have patience with me and I will pay thee all. And the king, of course, has compassion on him. But here's a little bit of a misnomer. This man can't pay all. It's an impossible debt that he can't pay. So that's a fine thing to say, and maybe when we come to an altar of repentance, that's a good thing. It's a good attitude to have as God, whatever I can give. But to think that we can repay all, that's just false. We're not going to do it. We cannot pay back all that he is going to forgive when we come into covenant with him. Then the Lord said of that servant, he was moved with compassion and he loosed him and forgave the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. That's about a day's wage for a common soldier. Not very much money. Not very much money at all. But this man lays hands on him, puts his hand on his throat, and demands of him, saying, pay me what thou owest. And in the, in the context of what we're looking at here, this is when you and I are walking through everyday life, and we get a little bit offended. And don't mess with me. Man, do we, if you are human, you have, I hate to tell you, you have buttons. You have buttons. I'm not even going to tell you what my buttons are, but Devin knows four or five of them, and he presses them all the time. But I have seen a video. No, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. I shouldn't. I, see? But that's how a button works. I don't even have to press it. I just have to look like I'm going to press it. And if you've got a button, you can get 
a little bit nervous. And as humans, we're a little bit insecure with something. That's just the way it works. But what forgiveness is, is our way. Forgiveness is our way to stop being so paranoid and messed up in our spirit and touchy and sensitive and thin-skinned and always offended. Forgiveness is a kind of freedom from that life. And I don't want to live that way. And not only do I not want to live that way, it's a salvation issue, which we will get to. It is a salvation issue. So he goes out and he finds one of his fellow servants. Now look, I'm so I have no you said this phrase today, Brother Kilman, that was so good. We have hierarchies in the church, maybe kind of, but not really. There's there's a first among equals is the phrase that you used today, Brother Kilman. And what this person was doing was going out to find another fellow servant. That means he's one of the king's servants. There's one king, and we are all fellow servants. That means there's I have no right to come over here and browbeat a fellow servant because I'm a fellow servant, and you're a fellow servant, and we are all equal under one king. So I have no right. I don't own you. The king owns you. I don't have any right to you. So if I, if I have a, a wrong attitude, if I'm oppressing or unfair to a brother, what I'm doing is I am, I am abusing God's property. That's what that is. You know, we need to figure out, I think we've kind of adopted something that the world has taught us, which is man is just, we're just kind of, it's all about power dynamics. And, and none of us are really worth very much. It's all just about a power struggle. But the Word of God says that I died for this man that I made in my image. We need to let that revelation sink into our head what it means to have individual sovereignty and what it means to be an individual underneath God being made in his image. That means that when you touch another fellow servant, you're touching something that's eternal. They're going to spend eternity somewhere. You have no right. You have no right to abuse a fellow servant. You just do not. We are all servants under the king. So he's here with his hand on his throat saying, pay me what thou owest. Now, this doesn't make any sense to me. I recently had a situation happen at work. It was a very difficult situation. Uh, do you mind me sharing this, lovely wife? She doesn't even know what it is. <laughs> it was my mistake. But I did something. Is that okay? Is that okay? It was my fault, so it's okay, right? So I did something. I, I've been doing some side work for clients, and I did something that cost a client close to $10,000. And I am not an employee of that company. I'm a contractor, which means I am personally liable for everything that I do. I don't have an a, uh, S Corp to hide behind or an LLC. It is Kevin Brzezinski who is liable. So $10,000, and I'm looking at, it, at this, and I'm like, okay, well, at least I lost the client, and how do I pay back $10,000 on what they pay me at IBC? It's a great salary, but it's how do I pay back $10,000 on ministry salary? I'm like, Lord, what do I do? And if I'll be honest, I was 
stricken with fear, like, what do I do? I am thankful that I, I prayed through it. I, I feel like I got victory over the spirit of fear, which is a, a good thing. That's m- most of the battle is just getting victory over the spirit of fear. I got some counsel, and turns out I thought they were going to have me maybe pay back five or eight or ten grand, but not only did they not make me pay anything back, they finished paying me for my work. And, and I told my wife as we were going through that, I said, babe, you know, if, if we get through this without having to pay anything back, I'm going to look at that money differently. The money that's in our bank, I'm going to look at it differently because it could be gone. And this servant should have looked at it like that and said, wow, I almost owed like $20 million, but I'm free. Babe, we, we got out of that one. Thank you, Jesus. But what he does is not that, and it's strange behavior. Now, I know this is a parable, okay? I know this is not, we're not psychoanalyzing an actual biographical person. I understand that. But a normal person would not just directly go to, to work on a way to get more money and kind of greedily and it's just, it's strange. And the only, I can't even understand it altogether, but the only thing that I can think of is that he had a mentality that was, that was not certain of the forgiveness that he had received. That's my only thought. I, I, don't, I can't conceive of what else he was doing except that maybe he thought, well, maybe the king is going to change his mind and he is going to throw me in jail after all. So I've got to get every amount of penny and coin that I can just in case this forgiveness thing doesn't pan out. And that's a bad place to be. And that's a place if you feel like I'm not sure God has forgiven me, I'm not sure if God really loves me, I'm not sure if I'm really in this, and I've got to act just right because I'm afraid that the forgiveness will leave. You will judge yourself, and you will more easily be judging others because to you, it's about paying it back. But this is not about paying it back. We cannot pay it back. It's compassion. It's forgiveness. It's his love toward us. Now, I want to do the work, Brother Kilman, because of his love, but I'm not earning back his love. I think that sometimes when people call us legalistic, number one, they're wrong, but sometimes they're right because we don't know how to just trust the king that he has forgiven us. We need to trust the king. And if we're not trusting the king, it's very easy for us to always be judging and always be looking and saying, well, I have holiness standards better than you. I'm a little more righteous than you. I think I stayed in the prayer room five minutes longer than they did. Let's just chill out a little bit. Let's chill out a little bit. Let's get our hands off each other's necks. We're all at different places, and it's compassion that's going to drive the church forward. It is. It's his love. It's his compassion. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and they came and told their Lord, all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said, 
unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desirest me. Shouldest not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise, let's listen up here. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you if ye from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother their trespasses. Easier said than done. Easier said than done. I will comply with you. I will do what I need to to function. But that's functioning is not forgiveness. Functioning with your brother and sister is not forgiveness. And what Jesus is saying right here is that I can't read it any other way, Brother Kilman, except that this is a salvation issue. This is a salvation issue. And what I read in this is that if you cannot forgive your brother, that that doesn't mean that God, I don't believe that this is God just being super vengeful. I think what this means is if you can't even forgive your brother, you have not probably experienced real forgiveness. You're probably not walking in mercy and grace and with a true understanding of what he's done for you, if you can't. So I don't think this is God just saying, oh, you have a little bit of something in your heart, I'm going to throw the book at you. I think this is a principle that if you can't forgive the brother you see, a fellow servant, you haven't really understood what you were forgiven of. That's the point. And so I want to give us just a few practical things. When I was first getting into church, I, <laughs> I shouldn't ask this, but most gentlemen I talk to have dad issues. <laughs> you know it's true. There's a few of you who don't, but most people, most men have dad issues. You can argue with me, but it's, it's pretty true. It's the exception and, and not the rule for men. That's just the way it is. When I was first getting into church, Brother Sleva handed me a book called The 11th Commandment by Andy Stanley, all about forgiveness. And I needed to work through some stuff because I wanted the Holy Ghost. But I, I was blocked up from getting the Holy Ghost till I worked through some forgiveness. That's just how it is. But even as a saved person, even if I opened up 47 countries and I have a school named after me, I can still lose it if I miss out on this forgiveness stuff. So here's how forgiveness works. I believe that we can be functional non-forgivers, just like I can be an alcoholic and mow the lawn. I can be an alcoholic and make it to work, and, and I can be a functioning alcoholic. Well, I can be a functioning non-forgiver in the church, but God wants more than compliance in a functioning non-forgiver spirit. You can hide it, but the Lord knows. And I'm, I'm telling you something. <laughs> Yesterday, I was praying through an issue that I have with somebody. Yesterday. We're, none of us are immune to this. Hurts will come. 
Sister Kilman, don't try to guess it. Why are you trying to guess it? Okay, it's Brother Kilman. It's Brother Kilman. That, we'll just put it out there. It is you, Brother Kilman. I'm sorry. No, look. Here's just a couple practical, a practical couple helps with forgiveness. Number one, you. Here's a couple misnomers about forgiveness. Number one, you don't have to wait till they say I'm sorry. That's false. Number two, you don't have to feel like it. That's another thing. Number three, it might take more than one time. It might take more than one time. If you've been hurt deeply, and if the roots of bitterness have gone deep, you might forgive and you pull out the tops of that, but you've not really gotten it all out. And if you are deeply hurt, it might take a forgiveness in this season and forgiveness in another season. And later on, it's like, where did that emotion come from? And I've got to forgive all over again. But here's the deal. People scream because I'm debt free. Ah! They're financially debt free. Hallelujah. That's great. But I want to be spiritually debt free. I want to be spiritually like, I don't owe people, I'm not holding people, I'm not sending loan sharks after people in my spirit and in my mind. I just want to be spiritually debt-free. I want to have, I'm, I'm weird about it. If I f- think I've offended somebody, I will stop what I'm doing in the middle of a service, and I will sometimes go talk to them and say, I am sorry for what I think I've done. Because I don't want to bring my gift to the Lord without taking care of this over here with my brother. This is just scripture. It's just scripture. Now, I wish we were never offended. That would be a great thing. And Psalms 119 and 165 says that they that love his word, nothing shall offend them. I'm paraphrasing that, of course. But nothing shall offend them if I love his law. Wow, that's fantastic. But guess what? I get offended. Maybe I don't love his law enough because I get offended. But here are some practical tips on forgiving. I think you should practice the 24-hour rule. What's the easiest way to keep roots of bitterness from getting down deep in your spirit? Married couples? Oh, man. What's the best way? I think practicing the 24-hour rule, which is let not the sun go down on your wrath. Be ye angry and sin not. Neither let the sun go down on your wrath. That means get it taken care of that day. Don't wait because if the seed sits there long enough, it will germinate, the roots will go down, and a root of bitterness will spring up, which Hebrew says defiles many. I f- forgive me for this illustration. It's not even one a young man should use, but I would hate to be an elder saint having walked for 45, 50 years, living a holiness lifestyle, going through disciplines, but I've let bitterness creep up and I lose salvation at the last because a root of bitterness, I don't want to fail of the grace of God. I don't want to. So I want to keep my spirit debt-free. I want you to keep your spirit debt-free. I want this class to be a debt-free spiritual place. I want Calvary Tabernacle to be a debt-free spiritual place. We're not going to move forward with division and unforgiveness. It's just not going to really work. 
It stops up the Spirit. It stops up salvation. I don't want to stop up the Spirit. I don't want to stop up salvation. I just want to be saved. Above all else, I want to be saved. Um, I think I'm about there, dear wife, if you want to come up. I don't want to belabor the points too long. I think you guys understand what I'm saying. But if we are going to be forgivers, I'm done with the practical stuff. But here's, here's a question, and it's a hard question. And this is, how do I know I f- have forgiven somebody? Well, I, I, Jesus, I, I forgive them. Okay, what do you forgive them for? I forgive them for what? Something. You should state that something. And it goes to another level, which is, Jesus, I pray that you would also forgive them and wipe this sin from their charge. They don't even know what they're doing. And sometimes the reality is they don't know. We get offended sometimes, and I'm amazed that we misinterpret things. And we're bitter, and and our whole spiritual life is just clogged up like a well that's full of dirt and sand. And we are clogged up because we think they offended us. And we go to talk to them. And, and bring it up, and it's like, that's not even what they were thinking. They had no clue you interpreted it that way. That's real life. I don't want to get my whole spiritual life clogged up about what they don't even know they're doing. But if I'll work through it in my spirit. Now, I'm not saying you have to go to somebody every time and say, hey, remember that one time you looked at me funny? Why'd you do that? You can probably work through some of that stuff in your own prayer closet, in your own spirit, and just, Father, you got to forgive them. Wipe it from their charge. Don't hold them accountable for this. It hurts, but they probably don't even know what they're doing. God, wipe it clean. And here's a tricky one. Is sometimes, sometimes the pain that we feel we can't even point at flesh and blood and say it's your fault or it's what you did. Sometimes it's like, is this a decision that I made? Or God, are you punishing me for something that I've done? Is it a missed opportunity? Is it a lack of faith? Is it a, a sin issue? God, why am I frustrated and in this holding pattern in my life? Or why are the doors not opening for me like I think they should? God, what are you, is it me? I know I've made some mistakes back here. Sure. And we get in this kind of, God, forgive me, or God, why are you doing this to me? Why, God? And I think sometimes, whether we realize it or not, we have a resentment built up toward God because of what circumstances He allows us to go through. That's a real thing. I remember <laughs> I was in Bible college, Brother Kilman. You talk about that Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes paper that I wrote. I wrote that when my, my grandpa unexpectedly died of a heart attack. And, and we prayed, and, and I didn't know what was going on. My uncle went down to see him and watched him. They missed the diagnosis of heart attack and congestive heart failure. 
the doctors missed it, and I understand that you have a short window to catch that. Otherwise, the success rate of recovery just goes down precipitously. So he missed the EMTs. They said, yeah, it's congestive heart failure. But when they got to the medical uh, facility, the doctors on staff, they missed it. And my grandpa, unexpectedly healthy, strong as an ox, passed away unexpectedly. And I had to work through that. I'm like, God, I'm here at Bible college. I'm, I was praying. I mean, I, maybe I should have, maybe I should have not eaten that subway and just gone on a fast right then. And maybe God would have spared my grandpa if I would have gone on a fast. You know, you think stuff like that. But Brother Kilman, that paper was just me working through. What do I do with it? What do I do with the pain? What do I do with the circumstances that God has allowed to happen? God, you could have healed him. You can do anything, so why didn't you? And I had to work through getting back to a place where I could say, God is good. And not just say it because mentally that's what we say, but to mean it and feel it emotionally. And deep down, I could not say it. I said it, and I knew, Brother Kilman, I don't mean it. I felt it. I'm like, I want to mean it, but I don't mean it. So sometimes we have to forgive God, and sometimes we have to forgive the flesh that we are. Proverbs says, I'm sorry, Psalm says that he knows our frame. He understands we're but dust. We're just dust. We need forgiveness. We need grace. But how do I know I'm there? How do I know I'm approaching a place where my spirit is debt-free? And I was praying about a certain individual the other day, (laughs) recently. (laughs) And God brought this picture to my mind. Would you wash his feet? I just had that picture come to my mind, me washing his feet. And if you can do something like that, now I'm not saying literally wash his feet. That's a type of what was a lowly level of service in that day. But if we can serve one another in the most base ways and humiliating ways, and if we can do that with a right spirit, you are getting very, very, very close to a debt-free spirit. And, ha- and your forgiveness, if you can do that, your forgiveness is probably reaching that point where thumbs up. I hope that helps. I know it's a little different tonight. I know it's a different message, but I want to pray for you. And I just, guys, I want to be saved. I want you to be saved. I don't want anybody here to miss out on something so silly as holding on to resentment that may be false, may be exaggerated. But either way, it's not worth missing heaven. If God forgave me, I think we can forgive one another. Amen. As the music sings, I just wonder if you'll respond in your own way. You're welcome to come up here. You're welcome to stay in your seat. But I feel the Lord, and this is a moment that we can press in and just say, God, Let your word sink into my spirit. Let your word sink into my heart. God, I want to be saved. Lord, use me. I hope we're all used in mighty ways. I really do.
I hope you all have super successful ministries, super successful families. But above all else, I just want to make it. I just want to make it. I don't want to miss out. And I don't want to poison my own spirit with what may or may not be fact and reality. Jesus.